They told me I use my mouth good. So I started a podcast. Sunday fun day, which is a new thing I decided to do uh, like five minutes ago. (laughs) So I thought it would be kind of cool to sometimes do podcasts on Sunday that are a little more, why would I say lighthearted? That's the word that came to mind, but that's not actually what I mean because I don't, I can't really promise that they're all going to be lighthearted, but they are going to be maybe more kind of uh, pop culture focused or whatever. Kind of like whatever I found interesting throughout that given week or month. I haven't really even settled on if this is going to be an every Sunday kind of thing. It probably won't be. It's probably going to be like sporadic Sunday fun days. But yeah, it'll just kind of be summaries of things I'm watching, things I'm reading, things I'm listening to uh, that I can recommend that I got a lot of value out of or just found interesting in some other way or maybe like hated entirely. I don't know. Let's find out. So let's start with like, okay, what I've been watching, what content I've been consuming with my eyeballs. So... I've been watching a lot of kind of documentary stuff lately, Um, but the last series I finished up was Russian Doll, and this is a series on Netflix, and if you've seen the trailer, it looks kind of like a version of Groundhog Day. It's basically about a woman who dies one night and then ends up waking up and reliving the same day over and over and it's really interesting how they do that. It, has, it stars Natasha Leone, who I absolutely love. And I recommend it. I, I give it like uh, four out of five stars. I don't, I don't care for the ending. I'm not going to spoil it for you. But I like how they built up to the ending. So I will say that. So it's really interesting. It adds like elements of kind of like like kind of magic stuff and death and I don't know almost sci-fi like time warp kind of stuff and then it also talks a lot about trauma childhood trauma and stuff like that and I don't want to again I don't want to spoil it too much but uh, I definitely recommend it if you're looking for a kind of a shorter series to dive into and I believe it's like a limited series so it wraps up nicely at the end. So definitely can recommend that. Something I keep watching, and this is more of a documentary, is Get Me Roger Stone, which regardless of whatever your views on Roger Stone is, which he's a terrible fucking person, I get that. I, I'm not disagreeing that like he is <laughs> an awful person. Like he, he's just one of the most like amoral pieces of scum ever. But I highly recommend everyone watch this documentary because it's fascinating. It goes through his entire political career, which was like shady from the start. Like this is this is a motherfucker who was 
born to scheme and do like political strategy. He he tells a story. One of the first stories he's, he tells is he started doing this when he was like 10 years old or something. Like he spread a false rumor about the election, which at the time was between, I guess, yeah, like Kennedy and Nixon and spread like a false rumor basically that made all of the kids basically do their like fake, you know, school voting thing for Kennedy. And it was just really funny because it's totally based, it, like that would set the tone for basically the rest of his life. And what's interesting about Roger Stone is he's just one of those evil motherfuckers who inflates his own sense of evil in such a, an over-the-top, like really comedic kind of way. And I, I know it's not funny to the people he started. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he's such a ridiculous supervillain. You couldn't even write someone so ridiculous. And he's constantly bragging and, like, taking credit for evil shit that he didn't even actually do, just so you'll think he's more evil. He's the best heel of all time. I don't know. I Everyone, and I know, like, I, I would say probably much of my audience is more, like, left-leaning or so, and I think you all will really get value out of this from a kind of strategic perspective. And it's one of those things, you got to set aside your personal feelings about Roger Stone, because I do agree, and, uh, you know, he is an awful human being. But he does get things done. He is correct about political strategy. And it's not something that, like, a lot of people maybe want to admit. But it is true. And, I mean, what's currently going on with him and everything is also hilarious. Like, I mean, again, like, it's, you know, with all the shit that's going on with Trump, you're seeing these people being revealed not that like you didn't already know they were pieces of shit but like you're really seeing how much they like bend over backwards for other pieces of shit so that's kind of interesting but yeah i i recommend everyone watch it it's super important from a political strategy perspective if you're in the you know that whole world of things i think it's something and this is something i've said for like years and it's how i've kind of always conceptualized of politics in my mind is it is very much a form of theater and this is something rogers definitely embraced in this documentary and he's exactly right about that i mean it is all a show and that's not to say there aren't super serious consequences of the show for a lot of people and increasingly so for more people more types of people but the way that he's been able to have such long-lasting powers because it's been his approach to it. So watch the documentary. I keep having to re-watch it. It's one of those things, it's like, you do hate this guy, but you can't argue with how correct he is on some of these things. And, like, unfortunately, it, like, you, you have to think about it. Like, what does this say about human nature? What does this say about politics and other things you know like it it does make you think and even if you hate the guy you do have to admit that he has a point with a lot of this stuff and that's why i'm not a politician also (laughs) so moving on another documentary i uh watched recently that i really liked was the one on studio 54 which maybe that's an old that's an older one actually so does it get me roger stone one like these aren't super new documentaries like they're new to me because like i fucking don't like I'm never able to catch up on shit at the right time. So I'm like, oh, I watched this thing that came out, like, however long ago. But <laughs> it was new to me. So I found that one really interesting, too, just because I I like to throw a good party. Um, I've done a lot of parties in the past. I've done larger scale events. And, you know, it, there really is, like, a sense of satisfaction you get from, like, throwing a really good party where everyone feels really good. And I, it like, Studio 54, the documentary about Studio 54, it captures that. And it also captures, like, how how bad these guys were at crime. <laughs> so Studio 54 ended up getting raided by the feds and the IRS and completely shut down. And they were found to have been, you know, skimming off of their books and but and yet keeping meticulous records of all of the skimming and all of the like drugs that they were giving away to celebrities who were going there and so i was like these people kept such meticulous records of their crimes 
It was ridiculous. And it's, it's it was kind of hard to feel. I mean, I, you kind of feel bad for them, but you kind of don't because, uh, do I want to spoil it? Is, it has already been seen by most people. I don't even know. Basically, I, don't, I won't spoil it too much, but as bad as you can feel for these guys, like no one comes away looking great in this documentary. It's one of those things where it's like these, these are real life people who... Uh, I don't know how many, you know, who who were the good guys. It's like no good guys kind of thing. But it's interesting how short of a moment in history Studio 54 was open and how much of an impact it had um, in so many people's lives and so many communities. So that's another one that I found super interesting and, uh, you know, definitely recommend. I love documentaries about those periods in history and about those like scenes and stuff like that. Just always fascinating, like, what people were able to get away with and, like, how how hard they kind of went with stuff. And I don't know, like, I, I, I made a tweet about it. It was like, you know, Studio 54 is what happens when you throw a party so good, the feds come and shut you down. And uh, <laughs> so in a way, it's a bit, like, aspirational for me. It's like, oh, I want to throw a party so good that, you know, people want to shut it down. <laughs> That's amusing to me. For other reasons, obviously. So that one was super good. Let's see. What else? Oh, something else I came... And this is a new series that I started on. And I could only watch the first episode. And that's, like, it. Because I just had to, like, sit there for a while and just, like... Breathe, you know? Like... This is some super intense shit. It's called Larry Charles' Dangerous World of Comedy. It's about this comedian, basically. He goes around the world finding what makes different people in different areas of the world laugh. And he starts off with Iraq and Liberia, which are two war-torn countries who have been being attacked by all sorts of forces, external and internal, for many decades and it's fucking awful what's going on there and the humor though is very subversive and like he he basically goes into these countries and he interviews comedians and then he also interviews dictators too and so the first episode starts with him going into Iraq and uh, talking to the different comedians who have been uh, either their shows have been canceled or in some cases, they've received threats or in some cases killed because of the type of humor that they were putting out, which is poking fun at power and poking fun at war and ISIS and like all, all of these forces who were harming people. And it's incredibly dark. It is like super, super dark comedy. And I love dark comedy, but like this shit hits so hard like if you love dark comedy you're gonna love this but it's also like gets to that point where it's like this is like the darkest fucking comedy ever it's like i just had to sit with it for a while and like let it sink in and it's very hard to watch it's gonna be it's extremely difficult to watch but it's well worth it and i look forward to like really getting into it more when he goes to Liberia, he interviews some really, really, really interesting comedians and just the ways that they've been able to, in spite of everything, in spite of these like horrible like civil wars and stuff, still manage to still manage to laugh at things. And they they tell some really personal stories that are fucking horrifying. But there are some choice quotes in there, especially from two of the uh female comedians who are featured in there they they're some fucking hardcore people and uh you know they they spare no words about um the general where uh, basically under which all of these atrocities were done and that general's name is general butt naked like that's a real name um and in fact the the story behind how the generals in liberia got their name is really interesting because a lot of the names were given to them by other people based on whatever reputations they kind of had. Or some of them were just completely made up and, like, taken off of, like, American names and stuff like that, too. But General Butt-Naked got his name from a picture that had been leaked of him where he was named. Basically, this guy, like, got his name as a general from being revenge-porned. 
it's so it's so bizarre. You have to watch it to know what I'm talking about. So he interviews General Butt Naked to find out. And this is someone who's committed a bunch of atrocities, killed like literally with his bare hands, killed a bunch of people, including children. And they have a very frank conversation about the atrocities he's committed, including why he stopped killing people and the last person that he killed. And it's just so, so heavy to watch. And something the series really highlights is how war is one of the greatest destroyers of art. And it really makes you think about what type of art we've lost out on because of people killing people. And then he also asked, you know, what makes him laugh? You know, because like, what does make a dictator laugh? Like, the, these are interesting questions that you don't really see get asked of people. Because comedy is such, it's such a subjective thing and it's such an important thing in so many people's lives. It's sometimes the only thing that's keeping people going. And for people to be able to find humor in these really dark situations is really vital to surviving them. It's definitely been relevant to my life, too. So, yeah, it's Larry Charles' Dangerous World of Comedy. It's out now. It's really uh, heart-wrenching and also really funny. It's just kind of interesting how similar comedy is, even in places that are very different from where you come from. Speaking of using comedy to cope with dark things, ContraPoints released a new video recently, which, if you're not subscribed to ContraPoints on YouTube and Patreon and everywhere where she's at, I can highly recommend her content. It is awesome. It's, a, it's like everything I want to say about like gender and sexuality stuff and topics like Western civilization and Jordan Peterson in like video format and much more elaborate and more nuanced and better, basically. <laughs> um, we, we talk about, I would say, kind of similar things, but I think she gets a little more to the point and is maybe more clear. I, I don't know. I mean, I we have different ways of saying things sometimes, but a lot of her stuff I, I really agree with. She is a little bit controversial with some people, but I really have been liking the stuff she's put out. The way that she's been able to articulate certain topics has really given me clarity into some of my own, you know, positions on things and challenging my own positions and also just a view of identity and things like that, too. She released this video called The Darkness, and it's so good. It's a kind of shorter video. I definitely recommend watching that. It really talks about how how she kind of had this edgy sense of humor, and she wanted to basically hold on to that while being, you know, respectful of, you know, other people who maybe, you know, don't have access to the same privileges and also, you know, might might be offended by it or like, and it talks a lot about the topic of making jokes about marginalized identities, which is a topic that like every every comedian is going to have an opinion on this if you ask them. You know, every comedian has an opinion on whether or not people are too sensitive these days and these, oh, these, you know, overly sensitive babies are ruining comedy and stuff like that. Honestly, I really haven't seen that much of it. I've been hanging out at comedy clubs for a long time. And what I see more of than anything else is kind of the same old boring jokes about PPs and bodily fluids and stuff and to the point where like I don't even understand like why it's necessary like it's not that like there can't be you know jokes about dicks that aren't funny it's just like they're so rarely done in a creative and clever way and especially when cisgendered people are trying to make jokes about trans people and non-binary people it never really lands not because like there's this whole you know contingent of people who were overly offended and just falling over themselves like with this you know outrage and offense but because they don't understand where we're kind of coming from they have no clue what makes these jokes funny because they don't have that experience so she goes into that and she makes some really good distinctions between you know what are the what are funny jokes you know what 
what makes a joke funny. And I don't know, I love nerding out about that stuff anyway, because like, I have had to use humor to survive a lot of weird shit in my life. It's been the only thing that's kept me going. I can't stop joking. (laughs) Like, I, I just, it's not an option for me. Even during the most horrible fucking times where like, you know, everyone's looking around, it's like, there is nothing funny here. There's nothing funny here to laugh at over time or sometimes in the moment. I mean, I'm not going to be inappropriate about it, but sometimes I will be able to find something to laugh about. And it's very personalized. It's not saying that, like, what I'm joking about is universally funny to, you know, most people. I'm not making that claim, unlike a lot of comedians who seem to be fading in relevance and are using that to say that, oh, everyone's just so offended. My jokes are so great. But really, these are people who haven't grown in any kind of comedic way. Like, they haven't really refreshed their material. They haven't updated their views on anything. They're just stale and boring. And that's why they're not selling as many tickets. And that's why they're not, you know, really invited to speak at colleges and stuff like that. You know, like this whole contingent of, you know, Generation X male comedians who were like oh everyone's too sensitive and you know you can't you can't say anything anymore it's like that's such fucking bullshit (laughs) you can say so much and no one's gonna stop you like just because they don't laugh doesn't mean you're being oppressed you know like i i like flipping this around on people when people are like oh like you know you didn't laugh you must be offended it's like no me not laughing isn't a sign of offense it isn't like oh i'm clutching my pearls over here it's likely that i've heard the joke a million times from a million other dudes telling it about the same way like it's just not original to me it's not interesting it's kind of boring tired you know i'm not like few things really offend me like it's so difficult to actually offend me and no comedian ever really offends me Like, there's really no jokes that they can tell where I'm like, oh, I am so offended by this. I I just can't, you know, like, it's more like, okay, this is kind of boring and you're making the same old jokes from 10 years ago. Like, you're just kind of stale. For example, I used to really like Dave Chappelle, like, a long time ago, and he hasn't been good in a long time. Sorry about it. He just hasn't been. He hasn't updated his material. And it's like... You almost want to believe these people are smarter than that or, like, better than that, but, like, they aren't because sometimes people just stagnate, especially when they get famous and they get a bunch of money. It's like, why should they have to keep updating their material? Because there's going to be, like, a stronghold of people who do just want to see the same old boring bullshit, you know? Like, some people are have different needs for comedy and they're happy with getting the same thing over and over and other people need different things. Or, like, Jerry Seinfeld, like... I mean, I was never a huge fan of Jerry Seinfeld, but he kind of jumped on that whole, like, bandwagon of boring-ass comedians that were, like, big in the 90s, but now are, like, kind of washed up and just not that funny. Yeah, like, it, it's not, you know, not everyone's not too sensitive. It's that you're stagnant and boring and, yeah, you're not being oppressed or anything. You know, like, especially someone like fucking Jerry Seinfeld. Like, dude, you're not being oppressed. Like, you're fine. Yeah, I think you're going to survive this apocalypse of people not caring about you. <laughs> By the way, uh, what is his Netflix? Uh, comedians getting cars and coffee. I just can't get into it. It's not funny. I like and I tried to because like I, I like some of the guests and stuff and And I don't hate him or anything. I just like his sense of humor is just a very, very dad like to me now. I just I don't know. And I'm not into that whole type of thing. It's not because like, again, he hurts my feelings about anything. Like he doesn't really say anything that's relevant to me is more so the thing. And yeah, like making the same jokes over and over again. I mean, especially like at actually good comedy shows. Maybe you don't see this happening much, but like, uh, you know, most open mics, it's these very mediocre men making jokes about their dicks. And it's like, I don't know how that's still funny to anyone. And it's usually not. Like, no, and there's people who aren't laughing that much. And I've actually seen guys get offended that people weren't laughing and like throw a fit on stage. Where, you know, like, I remember sitting in the front row and being called out by this guy who was like, a caricature of like a 90s flannel wearing 
sad sack of shit oh pity me i'm just so deep and troubled but like I, I i have an edge to me you know but i don't also don't shower like exactly the type of person you're thinking of but like even worse like a more more of a caricature of a person and like he's just bombing and like that's fine everyone bombs you just fucking power through it and you know update your material and try better next time but uh, me and my friend were sitting there kind of in the front row and we're not laughing because he's not funny and he calls us out for basic for being bitches basically and not laughing and being like oh why is it so hard to impress you guys where you're so fucking special and it's like we weren't also we weren't heckling we weren't doing anything to him that's the thing like i i don't go to shows and heckle i think that's shitty and annoying and most of the time the person heckling isn't even as funny as the person on stage so it's it, like unless you know the heckling is much deserved which you know usually isn't i've never heckled a show and i'm not going to i don't i don't want to have that interaction with people i know how hard it is to get up there so you, i'm not heckling i'm literally just sitting there just waiting for the time to pass for this guy to get off stage because like he was also like god he was going on for so long after the point where he wasn't funny you know, it was just like, just accept it and get off the stage. You know, you didn't prepare. That's okay. Try again next time. But like, quit wasting everyone's time. And yeah, he just throws a fit and he starts being like, oh, it's probably, you know, because you guys are offended and just like, like, you know, it's it's our fault because we're sitting up in front not laughing and we're like giving him bad vibes or something. It's like, what a fucking child. Like get over yourself dude like <laughs> and guess what i make jokes a bomb too whatever if they're not funny they're not funny i'm not gonna like agonize over it i'm not gonna like start yelling at people either being like oh you just didn't understand how deep i was or whatever if you don't get a joke you don't get it that's fine or if the joke isn't funny it's not funny that's fine get the fuck over it move on life is short <laughs> anyway contra says it a lot better than i don't know better she says a lot of things really well so check out the darkness that's really good so let's see let's move to a different category what am i listening to so music wise podcast wise so i'm still listening to a shit ton of lizzo fucking She's just been really good for self-esteem stuff and self-love. I've just been listening to a bunch of her music. And also she did a podcast with Jonathan Van Ness of Queer Eye recently that was really, really, really good. And, um, you know, both of them are just fucking awesome people. And it was a really interesting interview. So I'll post that. I've been listening to... I'm, I'm going through like a, a Mo phase, which she is this Danish musician who makes this kind of like it's almost like indie pop what would even the genre be yeah i guess kind of like indie pop dancey just good ass fucking music <laughs> and i really like her lyrics um she's got this great song called no mythologies to follow and just oh god oh, walk this way i mean there's just so many good ones and again this is not like super new music i just like i'll get like fixated on someone and just, like, that's all I'll listen to for a really long time. <laughs> and this happened to be the main two. I'm just, like, stuck in a loop for a while. I can't help it. Um, I mean, I listen to other stuff, too, like, randomly. Like, I still listen to, like, I don't know, like, punk stuff. I'm, I'm always listening to, like, a bunch of different types of genres and shit like that. But, yeah, those two have kind of been, like, dominating my uh, playlist lately. So, good stuff. Um, a podcast that I really liked recently was one of Connor Habib's podcasts. And he's been on the program before. You guys may remember. Really fucking genius dude. He interviewed Patty Schemmel of Hole. And she was the drummer of Hole. The whole episode's so, so great. Um, it talks about addiction, you know, growing up in the punk rock scene, drummers, documentary about her life uh, she also wrote a memoir called hit so hard and uh just really it was a really cool discussion i just really liked it 
Um, and it reminded me a lot of uh, how I got into the punk scene and stuff and how beneficial it was for, I'd say, my emotional state at the time because I was a teenager and things were hard and I was angry all the time about everything. <laughs> Had a lot of anger issues and some of them were very valid. You know, I think growing up where I did and being who I am, it's going to be hard to not be a little pissed off at how fucked up things are. When you are a kid who can imagine the world in a much different way than it actually is, and you're kind of brought up against that hard limit of reality, there's a lot of resentment there. And, you know, I could see that the world could be better, and I was frustrated that my town was living like 50 years in the past. And I, I'm just like, this is bullshit. And so I had a lot of anger, and I had a lot of misplaced anger, too, uh, because I didn't understand certain aspects of myself. I didn't understand why I was the way I was and why I couldn't be how I felt on the inside. And so I really connected with a conversation about getting into the punk scene. And as Patty talks about like getting into the pit and just like being able to have that place where you can vent that anger and that frustration and like how it feels good to just be pushed around by other people and kind of part of this like moving flow of bodies and I've written about that before too and I love it so much that feeling is so cathartic and it was so important to me even though it was probably was and still is a bad idea for me to jump in there <laughs> I still like I'm always drawn to it and I can't help it and I've taken a lot of hits um <laughs> getting punched in the face all head butted all sorts of shit um and I fucking loved it I don't know like I when you're in there, when you're feeling that music, there's nothing else like it. It's so addictive, and for a moment, you can just forget about all of your problems. It You're just like pure, you're a pure ball of energy. Like, at least for me, the experience was really almost transcendent. I know that sounds kind of, you know, <laughs> a little new agey and stuff, but like, it really was because I, I didn't like... Um, you know, the way my body looked, I didn't like that I was confined to it. And but when I was in the pit, it's like it's like I couldn't even feel it. Like I was just pure energy and I was surrounded by other orbs of energy. I don't know. It was almost, uh, you know, a little bit of magic. And I still feel that at shows, even even if they're not shows, even if they're not like punk shows where I'm going in the pit and stuff. It's like I like it feels like I'm just a vessel for the music and the energy of it. And it's like I don't even consciously think I mean, I'm always dancing. I'm always getting down. <laughs> but yeah, I'm always going to love that. And music is such a huge part of my life. In fact, I would say that so much of my philosophical insight even comes from music. I mean, you know, I've read a lot of philosophy. I almost was a uh, philosophy major. Yikes. So glad I didn't do that. <laughs> so glad I didn't do that. But I almost did. And so I read all of that stuff and I was just like, oh my God, like, you know, some of it is good and some of it's bad, but most of it's just questions, right? It's like, why are we here? What are, you know, all this. And that's fine. Like you have to ask those questions to figure out what your values are and what you believe and, and all of that. Um, but I've gotten a lot more value almost from music. And so... Something a kind of cool hashtag that Connor started is uh, what's your philosophical DNA? And it was like hashtag philosophical DNA, and he had a bunch of people commenting and, and tweeting at him, and he was retweeting, and there were so many good responses, and a lot of his stuff was music too, and you know people were weighing in on different philosophers and stuff, and so I I ran off a list of you know, who I consider to be my philosophical DNA. And like, yeah, a lot of it was like music and comedians and a lot of writers too. Um, I mean, some philosophers, but like, it's like artists, writers, musicians. You know, I, I've gotten so much value from them, from entire albums even. For example, I was talking to um, another friend of mine yesterday about how Janelle Monae's Dirty Computer is, like, a nice, solid, like, a nice contained version of, like, my philosophy, <laughs> like, a person, like, personal philosophies for me. And it's, like, I mean, yeah, I can name, like, a bunch of books that, like, get 
you know, bits and pieces, but like here's this album that is like a musical masterpiece, right? It is just, it should win all of the awards forever. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe not. There's always going to be like more good music coming out and stuff like that. But there have been entire albums that have changed my life. You know, uh, there have been punk albums that have changed my life. Uh, Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables um, by the Dead Kennedys. Um, Hot Rats by Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa was on the list. I mean, Moo was on the list. Dead Kennedys, all those people were on this list. You know, I love the absurdity of certain types of music because, like, from a philosophical standpoint, like, life is so absurd. You're never, you never kind of really know what to expect. It can get so fucking weird and there's not great explanations for it. I mean, everyone has their personal explanations for why they think things happen and whatever whatever people make up to give themselves comfort, you know, that's fine. I mean, including things like nothing means anything. You know, like every every coping mechanism, every way of explaining reality is just made up by someone. So, like, pick something, you know, pick whatever makes you feel happy and most comfortable with your life. So... Yeah, definitely check out that podcast. It was really, really good. And his podcast in general, uh, Against Everyone, is really awesome. I almost had a similar... I almost named this podcast something really similar. And I'm kind of glad I didn't. I'm still thinking about changing the name. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to decide. So if anyone has any strong opinions on how much they hate this podcast name, like, please just, like, give it to me. I'm not afraid. That goes for, like, any kind of feedback. Like, just, you know, if I'm wrong about something or whatever, just tell me. I'm not going to, like, again, I'm not going to get offended because <laughs> most of the time I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Maybe you're right. Sure. So let's see. Going on to what am I reading? I'm I'm still mostly reading articles. So I wanted to just talk about an article I came across that covers one of my favorite topics um, that I've discussed a lot on the podcast before, and that's death. So I came across this article on Tonic, which is a part of the Vice conglomerate of media things, uh, which, you know, Vice is whatever. This actually, <laughs> this actually was well-researched and well-done and not just, like, empty clickbait like a lot of other Vice stuff. And the title of this article is A Doctor Built a Machine That Helps People Die. It starts off talking about how in the Netherlands, euthanasia was written into law in 2001, and the law went into effect in 2002. And it's a very progressive law where basically um, you are able to consent to be euthanized which is honestly a fundamental human right as far as I'm concerned. Uh, again, this is in the same category of bodily autonomy, which I've talked a lot about before. Your body is yours. It doesn't matter if other people don't like what you're doing with it. It is ultimately yours, and you ultimately have to have full, con full rights over it. Whether or not you have full control over it is different, but like you have to be able to have full rights in regards to how you treat it. And, uh, of course, euthanasia is usually in the context of people being terminally ill. And this was how this doctor got his start, basically. His name is Philip Nietzsche, and he's been nicknamed Dr. Death, uh, which, you know, is similar to kind of what they did with Jack Kevorkian, too, you know, and just giving him some doomy-sounding name. <laughs> they call him a euthanasia guru, Initially, he was only speaking about euthanasia for the terminally ill, but he's changed his mind, and he thinks that it should be less confined to, you know, just the terminally ill. You know, why shouldn't you be allowed to die peacefully? Why shouldn't you be allowed to have the rights over your own life and also your own death? And the contraption is called the Sarko, and it's a really cool interview, I'll link to it in the notes. He's not happy about being called Dr. Death. He faces a lot more criticism in the U.S. because, well, you already know why. <laughs> because of, you know, uh, really archaic, moralistic ways of thinking about people and also thinking that you have a right to, you know, 
rule over them and tell them what to do with their own bodies. But yeah, it's an interesting device, and it's a very, you know, much more peaceful death than uh, more common ways of suicide, which, uh, at least in the Netherlands, it's more common that people hang themselves, which is a particularly awful way to die. Um, And a lot of people, speaking about the terminally ill, which, like, I I think, you know, not getting into my, my other position on it too much. I mean, I, I'm aware that that's a lot more unsettling to hear about and talk about, but I think the case is totally fucking obvious when it comes to the terminally ill. I mean, why why suffer? Like, wh- I've seen friends who had terminal conditions suffer and suffer and fight until the very end, and I don't understand why. I Like, I don't it it made me extremely heartbroken to see what they were going through on a physical level and that they were putting themselves through that because of an irrational belief that there would be like a last minute miracle situation that would happen despite science and evidence being very clear about their condition And yeah, unexplainable things happen all the time, but I think it is really sad to see someone in a lot of excruciating pain and die a very slow, a very painful death because of certain beliefs. And whatever, that's, again, their choice to do that. But for people who do not want to go through that, there should be more compassionate alternatives. And that's just obvious to me. But, you know, it's something... And and the whole topic of suicide is a very, it's a very charged topic, and it's very, oh, it's giant. I, I don't know that I want to cover it. I was like, I'm trying to be like, Sunday, Monday, this is supposed to be kind of a lighter podcast. But yeah, I mean, oftentimes people want to talk about suicide in the context of mental illness, and that like, it's this irrational belief Or, you know, it's something that comes from an irrational way of thinking or like a broken kind of brain, like something's broken on a fundamental level. Like, why, why would you want to kill yourself? Why would you? And I think a kind of low level suicidal ideation happens to a lot more people than probably people will admit to because it's so difficult to talk about. Well, you can't talk about it really without getting you can't tell it to anyone because you risk being institutionalized. And when you get institutionalized, your risk of actually committing suicide goes up quite a bit often. So it's such a taboo subject that people can't even get help for it. But what if it's somewhat of a normal thing that everyone kind of has from time to time? Maybe not everyone, but people who you know, have some kind of existential awareness about the world. I I think when it comes to people who have certain, you know, ways of thinking and have had certain experiences and have really had to, like, look into, you know, this human darkness that's either within us or within other people and really contend with, you know, what is evil in the world? What does evil look like? And having to look evil right in the eyes, knowing that it wants to kill you. I don't think that people can have certain experiences without asking those questions of themselves and what is the world and what can the world around them do and and all these things like these are heavy questions and I think that it needs to be more acceptable to talk about and without judgment and without fear of being locked up. And maybe it's not as serious of a thing as people are trying to make it either maybe it i mean uh, it is if you are having thoughts about harming yourself please like talk to someone please get help you know like uh, i'm more talking about a type of kind of ideation that's more passive and fleeting almost i i think that phenomenon is maybe kind of common and doesn't necessarily indicate that you know things are definitely gonna happen from it you know, I think we think of things a lot that we aren't going going to actually do. And I think that's another one of those thoughts that sometimes pops up and like it's not going to be acted on, but it's there. And, you know, you just kind of file it away or you just put it out or, you know, like 
whatever you have to do to deal with it. And maybe in the case of some people, it's not an irrational thought at all. Maybe they're in extreme pain. Maybe they're living with a chronic condition that is not going to be cured. And maybe it's not terminal yet, but maybe it causes them a lot of daily pain. You know, why? Who's to tell them how they can live their lives? So, yeah, I mean, it goes into the whole broader points I've made in the past about bodily autonomy. You know, this this whole moralism around the concept of suicide is very archaic. It doesn't serve anyone but a very specific subset of people. And the concerns that you can have as a person who cares for your friends who might have suicidal ideations or depression or something like that, that that's different than a kind of view where you know, you want to prevent other people from doing things that you don't like because you think that those things will cause them some sort of, like, eternal damnation or something like that. Uh, For some people, existence is eternal damnation. And that sounds, like, super emo and, like, (laughs) extreme, but for some people it is. Like, you can't really, you don't really get to decide, you know, and this is a huge problem of perspective that people have. You know, people generally have a hard time seeing things from someone else's perspective. You know, they assume that people think like them. You know, we're all self-centered and we, to a degree, assume that people think like us. And that's why we're so appalled when we come across ideas that challenge those ways of thinking. So, yeah, I don't know. I want to do a short podcast for the weekend and just kind of say, hey, this is what's been on my mind. This is what I've been watching. You know, this is... What I think is kind of cool if you want to check out some things. Yeah, so I want to do some more Sunday Funday short podcasts in the future. And uh, yeah, and I'll be having more Hangouts too. By the way, I did a really fun live stream um, a few days ago, and it was really awesome. What I'm going to be doing with the live streams is I'll be doing them through Hangouts, and uh, you'll be able to come directly into the Hangout a little bit before I put it on air and then I'll go on air and people, there are some people who just want to watch it and don't want to be in the discussion. So I'll allow you to do that and you can add comments and stuff like that. But all the pri- all the videos are going to be private because I want them to be experiences that you had to be there for. You know, you, you had to be there for it. I'm not, I mean, I do have the ability to make them public, but I'm not going to uh, choose to do that because I think that they should be specially curated events and it was a really cool I I had such a good time we talked about so many interesting topics we talked about smashing the patriarchy the usual you know the usual things I talk about but with more perspectives than just my own which is I think the real value of doing a live stream with guests because I mean this could have been a whole podcast I almost wanted to release it as a podcast but I'm not going to because it's a private event But it was really, you know, I like the back and forth with people. That's why I like to do interviews as well. It's more awkward and weird for me to just be doing solo episodes. Sometimes I just feel it, you know, sometimes like I'm just like, I just got to jump on the mic and like spout some shit off. Like, you know, I've been watching all this cool shit lately. I want to talk about it. But it's funner if I get to talk about it with people. So I want to be doing at least one of those a month and you know, I really hope that people can join me for that. That'll be for the patrons who are giving me $10 or more a month, which I'm amazed. Like, they're, you know, anyone's even giving me money at that level. Like, that's super awesome. And thank you guys for, you know, contributing and also showing up and being part of the discussion. Like, this is a show that is directly funded by people I know or, and acquaintances and some people I, I don't even know and haven't met yet. And, like, I want to have more interaction with you guys and have different conversations you know it doesn't have to be a one-way conversation where you're just kind of listening to me talking about whatever random shit (laughs) is on my mind like I want it to be more of like a two-way conversation so that's why I always like to leave stuff open to feedback and um yeah So that went really well. I look forward to doing it again. I'll be announcing one uh, sometime this month. And yeah, and then look forward to more Sunday fun days as they kind of come. My weekends have started to get a little busy 
with a few things that I'm working on, but it's it's all good. And um, yeah, and just thanks again to all the patrons that are donating at any level. That's super awesome. Again, I'm always amazed that like people, you know, want to support the kind of things I'm creating and, you know, it makes me feel really good. And I'm just happy that I can put stuff out there that people are enjoying. So it's really helped me stay motivated through weird times and uh yeah so like i love (laughs) y'all thank you and uh it's just uh, yeah i don't know that's the whole point of it for me is like i don't have sponsors on the show it's something i've thought about doing if i do decide to have sponsors i they would have to be very specific and heavily vetted in fact there's only one one company that I with would want to sponsor my show right now <laughs> would be very on brand for me. Ugh, that phrase, on brand. <laughs> but no, I'd rather it just be funded directly by the peoples. So thank you, the peoples. Y'all are beautiful. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And let me know if there's any kind of weird documentaries or shows that I they you know I should jump into. I, I have a whole list of like, oh gosh, it's so hard to keep up with all the cool stuff that's coming out. But if there's something that, you know, really particularly stands out, I want to hear about it. I'm always on the look for interesting material. Music too, books, articles, whatever. Send them my way. I'll talk about them. We can talk about them together. Yeah. Let's talk about weird shit. So I will talk to you next time.